You're listening to Episode 5 of the Happy Space Podcast. Today, we're going to explore why HSP extrovert Jen Turnham says, there are no ambiverts. Let's find out what she's talking about. Welcome to the Happy Space Podcast, a place where highly sensitive people thrive. Not only will we learn how to better navigate life with our superpowers, we'll find ways to better manage the challenges too. We'll hear from product and service innovators, space designers, and leaders who believe in creating an inclusive, neurologically safe world. If you're highly sensitive or want to better understand and support someone who is, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Claire Kumar, and I'm so very happy you're here. You might think that all highly sensitive people are introverted. Well, in fact, there's a healthy number of extroverts as well. A few years ago, I took a test to find out where I was on that continuum. And the results of that test showed me I was pretty much in the middle, slightly leaning towards extroversion, and I should refer to myself as an ambivert. So you can imagine my confusion, surprise, and resulting curiosity when I stumbled upon Jen Turnham. She is a coach for HSPs based out of Perth, Australia, and she specializes in talking about highly sensitive people who are extroverted. And she claims, in her opinion, there is no such thing as an ambivert. So I was actually, like I said, really curious. And I thought I really need to talk to Jen to understand her hypothesis here and find out more about why she thinks so. There's the combination of introversion and HSP or even extroversion and HSP because of the traits of sensitivity, the interpretations of introversion and extroversion can kind of get a bit muddy. And Jen takes us through this conversation and clears the mud so we can we kind of get a better picture of what she's talking about. To tell you a little bit more about Jen, she is on a mission to educate the world about the unique, brilliant, and often misunderstood subsection of the population known as highly sensitive extrovert women. In acronyms, this is HSP-Es. She's a group that she believes should have a powerful voice that needs to be heard for we possess unique gifts that are in short supply in today's world. She's got a passionate, quirky, bubbly, buoyant, eclectic personality that she expresses in her blog and through her Facebook group for HSPE women. It's called Highly Sensitive Extroverts, Bright Sparks. She's got a background in applied psychology, and she's been using her knowledge, training, and experience in helping people use the power of their minds to overcome challenges since 2008. She now focuses specifically on helping HSPE women thrive in a world that doesn't quite understand them. Today's episode of the Happy Space Podcast is sponsored by ClaireKumar.com. Not only am I excited to spearhead the Happy Space movement, I love coaching busy professionals to achieve greater productivity and well-being. The two go hand in hand. I also adore taking the stage. 
If you're looking for an interactive, engaging event to inspire and invite action, whether it be on successful work-life integration, sustainable performance, organization and productivity, or expanding inclusivity, please visit clairekumar.com and find out more. Hi, Jen. I'm so thrilled you're joining me for this interview. I'm, you know, as someone who realized through a test many years ago that she was an ambivert, and then to learn that you think there's no such thing, I was so intrigued right away to learn more about your view on the HSP personality and specifically extroversion and why you've chosen to really focus on this group of people. So welcome, and let's start with, if you can explain, what's a highly sensitive person extrovert? Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be having this conversation and to connect with you and, and be on the podcast. So thank you so much. So a highly sensitive, are we assuming that everybody knows what a HSP is, or would you like me to... Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. Well. You can assume that this audience knows what an HSP is, and the beginning, uh, the beginning episode of the podcast has a really detailed breakdown of the traits, superpowers, and struggles. And so, yes, you can assume that the audience understands high sensitivity, but this angle of introversion and extroversion. What do we need to know to understand who does you know who does that apply to, and what does it look like? When you add extroversion to HSP, I think that's when it gets really interesting. And what I've come across in speaking to a lot of HSPs out there online, clients, is that a lot of them think they're introverts, but they're actually not. They're extroverts. And it's because if you look at the traits of HSP and the traits of an introvert, there's a lot of overlap. And there's a lot more similarities than if you look at the traits of HSP and the traits of an extrovert, because extroverts are very contradictory, in fact, to the HSP trait. So I actually like to call HSP extroverts, of which I'm one and I believe you're one too, um, I like to call us walking contradictions. So that's because we essentially have two different almost personalities living within us Mm-hmm. that are often competing directly against each other. So a HSP extrovert, the simplest way I suppose to describe it is I like to, the way I get people to help figure out which one they are is I think it's easier to figure out are you an extrovert or are you an introvert first based on the the, the clear differences between them and then obviously the HSP test is an easy way to figure out, I think you've got a quiz, I've got a quiz, Dr. Elaine Aaron's got the self-test as well. Mm-hmm. So the main differences between HSP extroverts and HSP introverts is HSP extroverts have the extrovert traits. So we Can tend you elaborate to be... for people just who are just like, wait a minute, I've heard about this introversion, extroversion thing, but I'm really not sure what concretely those terms mean and where I fit. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that and and expand on the percentage of people that we're talking about here um, within the HSP community. How does it split out? 
Yeah. So the well, the statistics is probably the easiest thing to start with. So research suggests that HSPs make up about 15 to 20 percent of the population. But of that 15 to 20 percent, sorry, 70 percent are introverts. So by far the majority of HSPs are introverts. So only 30% of the 15 to 20% are extroverts. Now, it took me a little while to do the maths on this, but I worked out that if you extrapolate that out to the population in general, it works out to be about 45 to 6% of people are highly sensitive extroverts. So the main differences between introverts and extroverts are introverts are very inwards focused. They have a very rich inner life. Those HSPs listening will think, yep, even Tech. HSP extroverts have a rich inner life as well. And again, that's the first contradiction. Um, they also, there's they respond differently to the reward chemicals. So HSP extroverts aren't as sensitive to dopamine. So we're constantly on the lookout for more dopamine hits. So extroverts essentially look for external stimulation to get those dopamine hits, whereas introverts prefer the reward chemical acetylcholine. It's a little more subtle. And so that's that's a clear brain difference between introverts and extroverts. The other big one is where we get our energy from. So I like to use the analogy of if we were a mobile phone, introverts essentially have their own inbuilt charger. So there, and and these differences I'm talking about are straight introverts and extroverts without HSP being part of the mix. So they have their own inbuilt charger. So essentially they're always plugged in and they're always being charged up. So that's why when introverts are in an externally stimulating environment, it can be too much for them because then it's kind of overload because they've got that external stuff coming in plus they're already fully charged themselves. Whereas extroverts, we need to look for an external charger to get our energy. So it's like us plugging ourselves in to an external charger and those externally stimulating environments or novel environments, that's where we plug ourselves in, we get our energy. So that's another really clear difference with that. And, and a true extrovert will also struggle with too much alone time. And again, the HSPs are going to be thinking, okay, this is where it gets confusing because HSPs need alone time. Um, but if we're just talking clear introverts and extroverts without HSP, then extroverts struggle if they spend too much time alone. They start to kind of go a bit stir crazy because they need that external stimulation. 100%. And the other major... <laughs> yes, you can, yeah. you can relate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's making me think of back to when the pandemic started. And I'm someone who's worked from home for about 20 years on and off and was quite comfortable working by myself. But when the world shut down and external communication was kind of shut down, we weren't interacting the same way, we we're kind of afraid of each other. I was losing it within two weeks. I was like, this is this is not cool. And I adopted my cats because I thought, you know what, I, I need, I, I guess I needed this external, I need those eyeballs looking at me. I need someone, something, someone to need me kind of thing. Yeah. Definitely. It's that interaction and that that stimulation that we get from interacting with other people or with our environment. So it is a very distinct difference between introverts and extroverts. And the extroverts will relate to that. Um, I'll, I'll 
in a minute I'll explain how sometimes it can be a bit muddied waters when you add HSP. And the other main difference is how we process information. So an introvert will process everything internally. So they will think before they speak. Whereas an extrovert needs to speak in order to think. <laughs> now, so you, if you're, you're listening to this podcast, well. you cannot see my mouth just drop open because I'm like, oh, this is so this is a conundrum I've had. So as a, as a highly sensitive person, I'm a, I'm a deep thinker, I'm processing. But my mind to mouth connection has always been on rapid fire. So yeah. <laughs> It's even Jacques last night, my partner's like, so I'm, I'm saying I'm tired. Oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. He's like, usually works better if you stop talking when you're trying to go to sleep. <laughs> so I found someone who can call me out in the best way. I'm like, oh, I said this morning, did I really keep talking? He's like, yeah. I'm, t- I'm so tired. I'm so t- just like, shut up. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> anyway, so this is helping. Boy, does it help to understand the fullness of the expression of the trait of introversion and extroversion. And then now marry that with the trait of high sensitivity. Holy moly, is this a powerful <laughs> This is super powerful. Okay, I'm keep glad. going. You're explaining beautifully. <laughs> Clearly, this uh, this is resonating very well with me, and I'm processing it verbally, which is why I think you know maybe being a podcast host is a good thing for me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you say that about your partner because my fiance is the same. Quite often, he'll say to me, "You haven't had many people to talk to today, have you?" <laughs> because we'll we'll be on the phone because he works away. We'll be on the phone and I'll be just talking, 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 talking. And he, yeah, he says, you you kind of need to get your words out today, don't you? We need partners yeah, who when they... have, have some room for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a very clear difference as well mm-hmm. is obviously if you're somebody who needs to, and the classic challenge that extroverts run into traditionally when we're talking with introverts is and particularly introvert men, because men have this tendency, the way their brains are structured to solve problems. Mm. So an extrovert talking to an introvert male who keeps giving us a solution, we get frustrated because we're like, we just we just need to talk it through. So we kind of, we're processing as we speak right. and they're just trying to jump in with a solution and we go, no, 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 just let me talk, <laughs> let me talk. So that's another classic sign that, you are an extrovert is that you kind of you need to talk things through in order to help you come to a conclusion or or come to a decision whereas an introvert tends to not even speak until they've already got to their conclusion or their solution oh my gosh right so so i was married to an introvert and i'm like where's the answer where's like are you coming up with anything and there was you know there was also it was to the point where in his family too, they had thought they had spoken, but they hadn't said anything. So like, I just told you, no, no, you actually didn't. So there's, there's, I think, extreme versions of both sides, which are really, really challenging then to, to have coexist. Yes. Yeah. So fascinating. I know that you specialize in working with women uh, in particular, and I wonder if you can share a little bit about what brought you to that. 
Sure. Okay. So I'd already, so when I first started coaching, I was looking for, a, I've got a short history. I've got a um, chronic illness. I had to give up my singing career because I gave up my standard career to chase my dream to be a singer. I had to give that up because of a chronic illness. So I thought, well, what can I do that's a little bit more sustainable? I thought, well, I've got a psychology degree, so I'm going to go into coaching. Mm-hmm. And I'd already kind of decided I want to, wanted to help women. And that was because the process of me giving up my career to chase my dream mm-hmm. was a really scary but very rewarding process. And I was meeting so many people along the way, in particular women stood out to me and I was getting things like, oh, you're so brave and Mm -hmm. I wish I could do that. And so I really started to notice the number of women out there who tend to just stick on the path because I think we all kind of grow up with this subconscious path that's laid out for us. Like for me, mine was I was going to grow up, do the best I could at high school, get into university, do my degree, have a career, meet Mr. Right, get married, have kids, give up my career to raise my kids because that's what my mum did and that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that was the subconscious kind of path I saw for myself. Now, I deviated from that massively and it was the best thing I ever did. I don't even have kids and I'm not going to have kids even though that was part of my kind of path. And so I was meeting all these women who I think were just subconsciously following that path Mm -hmm. and not actually stopping to think, am I really happy? Is that, is this really what I want out of life? And not even necessarily realizing that they do have a choice and you can take a massive sidestep on your path like I did and go, okay, see you later, career. I'm going to go off here and and not even have a job and go and chase my dream to be a singer. I did get a part-time job to pay the bills, obviously, but that was the best thing I ever did. And so that's how I started working with women because I really wanted to show them that you have a lot more choices in life than you perhaps realise or perhaps you're just not even stopping to think. Mm. And then the the way I came to work specifically with highly sensitive extrovert women is I, my dad actually gave me the book Quiet by Susan Kane mm-hmm. because he was trying to help me understand all the introverts in my life because I'm surrounded by male introverts. My dad, my brother are both very introverted. My fiance is very introverted my fiance's dad is very introverted. So dad said, here you go, have this book. And I feel a little bit bad because I feel like I got more out of the book for me than I did about them. (laughs) Because Susan talks about highly sensitives and I'd never come across highly sensitives before because I had, when I did my psychology degree was basically the time when Dr. Elaine Aaron was doing all her research. So it wasn't covered in my degree. So the minute I heard it in Susan Cain's book, straight away started Googling. And then I made the connection, oh my gosh, I'm a highly sensitive extrovert because I already knew that I was an extrovert. That's quite Mm -hmm. clear to most people. And so it was the missing piece of the puzzle of me understanding myself finally after all these years because I was in my 30s when I discovered it. And so for me, it was just this, oh my goodness, now everything makes sense. All the struggles I've had in my life, all the challenges I had growing up with being a teenager, bitchy girls at school and all of that sort of stuff, like it just all made sense. 
And so the more I looked into it, the more passionate I became about helping HSP extrovert women because I think they're an amazing bunch of people. I think that their talents and their gifts are often go unnoticed because of the challenges that HSPs typically have to overcome growing up in a society that doesn't really know about us and isn't set up for us. So Mm. it just became something that I was really, really passionate about. And then I decided, so as I said, the women stuff kind of came first and then the HSP extrovert stuff came, came later. Yeah, I love it. And it's building on this experience as a psychology degree. You studied in psychology, right? So you're building on that. And now you've decided to coach with this group of women who you say talents go unnoticed. Can you speak a little bit more about why this group, why you deem this group is so special and why it's, it's so important to support that talent? So there's a couple of reasons. The main reason that all HSPs struggle is because society is overwhelming and overstimulating for HSPs and all the HSPs listening to this will, of course, understand. And the reason we have challenges isn't because there's anything wrong with us, contrary to what most of us grow up thinking, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's something wrong with us. It's simply because we live in a society that A, doesn't understand us, Mm -hmm. B, isn't set up for us. Mm -hmm. So we have these challenges that we have to overcome before we can even, I suppose, start to look at our strengths and start to live into our strengths. And HSP extroverts in particular, I think, are really special because, and apologies to any HSP introverts listening to this, I'm not trying to take away from your amazing gifts, but I think the benefit that HSP extroverts have is because of our extrovert nature, we're more kind of out and about and connecting with people and putting ourselves out there. So I feel we have this kind of unique ability to actually change the world if you want to talk big picture because I think we have that ability to connect, we have that ability to educate people about HSPs. I think we're perhaps more relatable than the introverts only because introverts are very inward focused and they're not putting themselves out there as much as HSP extroverts. So I just feel we have this unique opportunity to change the world with our gifts and our strengths of being HSP. I love how you put that and I fully agree. I mean, that's part of what this mission is, right? This happy space is because everyone deserves a happy space and it's to really inspire that change in the world to create a more tender world so that all highly sensitive people can make their richest contributions so that we go from being marginalized through being normalized to being fully appreciated and recognized like that is the goal and so yeah right so you know my hope is that people listening will say wow, this is, this is really interesting to understand more about the trait and the different nuances and to look for the people that are on our teams and in our world to say, ah, somebody might need more time to think or talk it out, right, <laughs> to express themselves. <laughs> but, but let's not dismiss the fact that, you know, they might need a quieter environment for that to happen or they might need you know, um, less bright lighting or they, you know, there's, there's so many things in the world, which I, I mean, I will call it toxic at times. Uh, I went out for dinner last night. We went out, Jacques and I went out for dinner and Toronto has just recently, as of 
I mean, a week ago, kind of opened up to full capacity dining now. I forgot how loud restaurants are. I walked in, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I had stopped going out to restaurants, to most restaurants, especially on a Saturday night, because they're packed and because there's been no consciousness in our society to say, could we all kind of moderate our voices so that we, you know, we protect our vocal cords, singer, lady, right? You know, I, and so I, I did a couple of things. We chose a table at the back, which was away from the screens at the front, which have no business being in this restaurant whatsoever. Uh, and I chose a table that was, their tables for two are quite large, long. So you're basically three feet apart from your part, your dining companion. And I've, I've, so I've, they're so wonderfully accommodating. This is Azaria's in Toronto. So shout out to that restaurant. I had them turn the table sideways so we could sit closer to each other so that we would be able to communicate. And because of course I needed to talk, right? So now that that's on the table, um, I didn't want to lose my voice because I had the TV segment this morning. And I wonder, does this come up in the work that you do? Because it's a big part of what I do is building the skill and the comfort and the language to be able to say, this, could I, could I, could you accommodate me? Could you help me out by doing this thing that brings, makes the world a little kinder to me, right? To ask for it. So can you turn the table? Can you turn the table? I've asked for the music to be turned down, that kind of thing. Where do we find our voice and, and do you help with that kind of? Uh, work with your clients as well a lot of that I think is boundaries type work so it's mm -hmm. about learning to and and that is a struggle I think that a lot of HSPs well boundaries in particular but also asking for what we want and asking for what we need I think that's a big struggle for a lot of us because we're very others focused and we're very aware of other people and we care about other people that quite often we put ourselves last so I think that's definitely part of what I do for sure is teaching people boundaries so that they don't get taken advantage of they don't get walked all over also learning to ask for what they want and what they need which is the example that you just gave in the restaurant and that it's okay to have it. and I think the big difference with this is once HSPs recognize that it's, it's a shift from that whole growing up thinking there's something wrong with us to actually going, well, no, we're just different from other people. And once you kind of accept that it's difference as opposed to wrongness, then I think it becomes easier to kind of stand up and say, well, hang on a minute, no, this isn't working for me and that's okay. And I think that's the piece that is missing for a lot of people is it's okay to be overwhelmed by the fact there's 10 TVs on all on a different channel in the restaurant or the the noise because they do the same in Australia. I remember back in the day acoustics in restaurants were considered when they were built. They had, I don't know what they did, whether they had padding on the walls or, but these days it's it's like wooden floors and high ceilings and sounds just reverberating all over the place and it's so loud so i can i can totally yeah. relate to what you just shared but yeah, i think Darman, that's the, it's that's industrial the design it's this industrial design thing that hit and all the soft furnishings evaporated so unless there's sound dampening in the ceiling soft furnishings all around carpet on the floor all of that was removed from our homes as well as the the dining environment and we live in basic echo chambers, right? 
Yeah, it's a very, so it was interesting with a conversation with the server yesterday, I explained, I said, look, I have a TV segment tomorrow and I'm trying to protect my voice and make sure I don't have to shout. And she said, I had to give up my voice over work because of working in the restaurant. Yeah. That's yeah. Sad, so she understood. It? She's like, okay, okay. And I posted this in my, in my group, the happy space pod today. She said, when you come next time, ask for the quiet table. And she pointed at it. it was over across the way and it was one table for two in between two banquettes. And because, and I'm like, it's not even the quiet table on the outside of the aisle. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be right in there in the back where I'm just sound sheltered. Right. So yeah, she's like, you need to ask, but that table, call me, tell me who you are. That's where you're sitting next time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. And see, that's the, they're the sorts of things that you can learn when you have, when you start having those conversations is you actually meet people who understand you also help spread the word. The more conversations we have like that, the more change is likely to occur. But if we don't have the conversations and we don't stand up for our needs and our wants, then mm. change is never going to occur because there's just not that opportunity because there's no reason for it. If nobody's complaining about it, then nothing's oh going to change. That, well, that's it. And so, yeah, I think, you know what, we, we have this empathy piece. So we're thinking about others and we're thinking about other situations we don't want to disturb. We have to put ourselves in that empathy mix to, you know, to act out of that fierce self-compassion that Kristen Neff writes about, which is looking at protecting self. And so stepping into that, I mean, it, it feels a bit brave, but once you do it and you realize nobody fell apart and, and you practice softening language and all that, it's so fun to be able to unlock you know, it's like levels of a game. I just unlocked that restaurant. It's now going to work for me. I unlocked my dentist office by, by saying I crowdsourced. I, I, I dental treatments are stressful to just start with, right? Um, and they can be they can be really um, kind of traumatic potentially. And so I was looking for a new dentist because I didn't feel my last dentist was particularly careful with pain management. And so I crowdfunded, crowdsourced, sorry, uh, a dentist from my neighborhood. And it was somebody whose son is autistic. And she said, they take such good care of him there. And so I went there and I, I went to see this um, dental office. It's on two floors. And you go in upstairs and then downstairs in the basement are most of the rooms. And the walls don't go all the way up to the top and there's music and the doors don't there's no doors i sat in that chair and i could i was overwhelmed in that chair before anything had happened i said is this the only room to be seen in and she said no there's there's a couple of rooms upstairs i, I said i'm finding it very noisy and i don't want to hear the conversation in the other room and i don't want to hear the news and i don't want to hear the music from the other side like and i don't want to see people walking by i just i i will I need a more quiet room. She said, oh yeah, there's two rooms upstairs. Well, there's two surgery rooms upstairs. The chair is about a million times more comfortable. There's no music. There's nobody walking by. And it's and so I will only be seen there on Friday afternoons now. And so I'm sure some people who don't understand HSP or asking for it were like, princess, <laughs> right, princess. But it's like, wow, you know what? I'm looking after myself in that potentially traumatic situation to make sure I have reserves afterwards to be everything I need to be to everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's the key piece. And that's because that's how I started even when before I started working with HSPs, the key piece with women 
in general often put everybody else before themselves and it's that whole thing about well if we're not looking after ourselves we're not the best version of us and don't the people that we're trying to look after by putting them first don't they deserve the best of us so it's kind of like you you can't you can't really give the best to your loved ones if you're not being your best and being your best means looking after you and your needs and so I think that's just a a slight shift in the way to look at it to make it a little bit easier for HSPs to put themselves first and to as you say put themselves in that empathy mix so that they're considering their own needs as well as everybody else's yeah brilliantly said yeah Uh, so you said you're a singer um, well, you and you maybe not singing professionally now. Do you sing for fun still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The neighbors too. often say, "Oh, I heard you singing the other day." <laughs> so if we lived closer, we would we would definitely have to jam. It's been my hobby for many years too. So, but I'm wondering what what um, I think of musicians and singers. And now I often play go through my life playing spot the HSP. Oh, sort of the creatives out there. There's a lot who I'm like, oh, and we know Alanis Morissette self-identifies as HSP, right? Um, Is there any particular song that comes to mind that resonates with you as a highly sensitive person? Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you asked this question. I'm actually going on a podcast soon to talk specifically about the song that I think should be the HSP anthem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this lady does podcasts about songs that resonate with people. So the one that I think should be the HSP anthem is called Heart by Imogen Broth, which is B-R-O-U-G-H. I'm pretty sure it's, I, I probably should double check that. But, yeah, Imogen Broth Heart, and it talks about, the halo being around your heart rather than around your head and it's just the, the the words and it just gives me goosebumps and I just think this is this is us it's talking mm-hmm. about HSPs and so if you get a chance to listen to it just yeah listen to the words and yeah I just think it's it's a beautiful song and I think it could be our anthem <laughs> Oh, wonderful. I will definitely look it up and I'll put a, a link in the show notes once I find it. I, I I feel like when I watch films, the ones that resonate with me most too uh, have highly sensitive characters. And so Amélie, Amélie Dupoulin, the the film, the French film set in Montmartre. Have you seen it? I think I might have maybe. Is it quite old? It's a, quite a few years old now. Must be 15, yeah. 20 years old, I think. Yeah, I think and, I might have years ago. Yeah. And it's, I fell in love with it because the character's so empathetic. You're just watching Remeth and quirky and just deeply like processing things. And I just, so music and song, I think are just wonderful, um, wonderful places for the HSP to express themselves. And we, and we can kind of see it there. Yeah. So I'm going to finish with one question for you. And it's, it's for you specifically in your journey through life and building skills and being the best version of you, where does being a highly sensitive person extrovert play? How does it sit with you as you now understand this picture so much more fully? How does it let you be the best best person of, that you can be right now? I think for me, what it does is it as I said earlier, it was kind of the missing piece of the puzzle. So I 
struggled a lot in my teenage years. I struggled a lot in my early 20s and uh, get a bit emotional talking about it. I've, I've read my diary from when I was 14 and I, my heart breaks for this young Jen who was trying to find her way in the world. And it was so obvious that she was just trying to fit in, which I think all teenagers do. And because I didn't know I was HSP, I didn't have anybody to normalize that for me. I feel like that just added to my struggles. So I just grew up feeling or sensing that something was different about me, knowing that I didn't really quite fit in and just doing these things. And like some of the choices I made, some of the things I did, I kind of cringe a bit because I kind of go, oh, that was just coming from that that lost place of just trying to be part of the gang kind of thing. And so I think what it's done is it's allowed me to look back. I used to look back with perhaps a little bit of shame maybe on some of the things that I've done in my teenage years and early 20s, whereas now I feel like I can look back with compassion and for that young Jen who was just trying to find her way in the world. So that's one thing that I think has really helped. And I think now what it does is I... I stand proud in my HSP extrovertness and I sing it out to the world. And I know a lot of people aren't comfortable with that and that's an individual choice, but I just feel like it's allowed me to accept myself because I understand myself better now. And so I kind of can can be proud of being a HSP extrovert. And I love the fact that we're super unique and we're a minority within a minority. And I think HSP extroverts in particular are the real quirky ones where we're a little bit out there, quite often we're a little bit too loud, too much for people and people are kind of going, whoa, who's this person? And any HSP extrovert listening to this can relate, I'm sure. And so it's allowed me to kind of go, hey, this is who I am. If you don't like it, that's okay. You're just not not my people. So it's just allowed me, I think, to have that self-acceptance coming from that place of understanding that I didn't have growing up. Jen, that's beautiful. I want to give 14-year-old Jen a big hug and say, look, girl, <laughs> look, look, what, look what's going to happen. It's going to be beautiful, rich, magnetic, warm, generous. I've I've so loved uh, this discussion with you as one HSPE to another. Uh, I celebrate the way you're being loud and proud in the world. Uh, just tell us, if you don't mind, where people can find you and your community. Sure. Um, and the only other thing I just wanted to bring up in case you kind of get off and go, oh, we never actually talked about why I don't believe there are ambiverts. So oh, I yeah. Know you know you what? Yeah. Yeah, please. Because that was, I think when we, so we did a pre-interview a little while ago and I said, what are you talking about? There's no ambiverts. Because when I did the, yeah, when I did the the test, I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm an ambivert. I'm like everything <laughs> to everyone, but I'm on the extroverted side. And so, so yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Come, no, let, no let's worries. Di- let's I dive thought into that, that. Was, that was the kind of crux of what we said. So, it sure so, was. So, See, it was so, it so you know what? What a great guest you are. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. So I think the, the challenge with the, well, any sort of personality test is it's very difficult to have a robust test so and I think if you have any sort of personality test that doesn't 
take into consideration HSP, you're going to run into troubles because I came up with um, ambivert on most tests as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, so the Myers-Briggs is probably one of the more robust tests, but I find that even my HSP extrovert ladies sometimes come up with an with I because the first letter of your Myers-Briggs is I or E and that's introvert or extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so it depends on kind of where they're at in life. And I think because of the two contradiction contradictory parts of our personality our hsp is always competing with our e side Mm -hmm. depending on who's winning that day is probably whether they come out i or e Mm. (laughs) the myers-briggs that's just my theory Mm -hmm. so i think hsp is what confuses things so in terms of why i don't think there are ambiverts there's a couple of things first of all introversion and extroversion version is on a continuum which is quite common in psychology Mm -hmm. so there are going to be those that are very close to the middle so their, I suppose, introvert or extrovert traits are less pronounced, but there would still be a preference in their brain because science has shown that there are clear differences between the introvert and the extrovert brain. So there may be people that are close to the middle that kind of maybe feel like they they could be either way, but I guarantee that they would still have a preference in their brain through all those things that we talked about. Do they process inside? Do they process through speaking? Where do they get their energy from? All those characteristics. The other thing is that, as I said, if you add HSP to the mix, that confuses everything, particularly for the extroverts. So that's why a lot of, I think, HSP extroverts potentially either think they're an introvert or they say they're an ambivert because the HSP traits are very similar to introverts. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason why people might think that they're an ambivert when they're actually a HSP extrovert. And the other reason is that because society rewards extrovert behavior or extrovert traits, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of introverts who have learned to extrovert pretty well. So there's a lot of people who make a living as speakers. So you would think, oh, they must be an extrovert. But what you don't see is the downtime that they need after that speech that they did to recover. And before. (laughs) And before, yeah. So you've got to psych yourself up. You've got to um, have that downtime after. Mm -hmm. So there are some introverts And this is introverts without HSP in the mix as well Mm -hmm. who have learned to be more extroverted, but it doesn't change Mm -hmm. who they are fundamentally. It doesn't change their brain preferences and it doesn't Mm -hmm. change where they fit on all those criteria I talked about being the differences between introverts and extroverts. So they might feel like they're an ambivert because they've gotten good at extroverting. So that's why I don't think that they actually exist i think it was something that was come up with perhaps before hsp was known about to explain the people that didn't quite fit and they that would be us the highly sensitive extroverts yeah so hopefully that clears it up a bit it's a beautiful explanation and and just for listeners because i'm curious and i'm like what are you talking about jen this ambivert thing how do you how you're poking holes in it Jen and I went through a, a popular test for introversion, extroversion, and it was so evident that some of the questions trying to point to introversion rather than extroversion were really a test about sensitivity. I was like, what? That's an HSP thing. So yes, I can see how it's muddied and I can see how with tests 
probably more work has done. It's an interesting thing looking at quizzes and the amount of time that's available to kind of discern something. Um, it's a fun way to learn about yourself, though. And I think the bottom line is spending some time to understand yourself better can pay off immensely. Yeah. Definitely. I 100% yeah. agree. I just think, yeah, the more you understand yourself, the more you're likely to accept and love yourself. Yeah. And then the world is your oyster. Yeah. Okay. So let's now we'll finish. So thank you so much for that, because that was really an important point. And listeners have been like, yo lady, you said we were going to talk about this. And where did, where did you go? Um, so let's, let's finish with an invitation for people to find you online and connect with you. Sure. Well, my favorite place to connect with people is in my free Facebook group. So it's called Highly Sensitive Extroverts Bright Sparks. It's where I spend most of my time. And the reason I like to send people there is because I just feel like we can get to know each other much better in a Facebook group mm -hmm. as opposed to just in a public place, I suppose, because it's a private group. So I'd love anybody listening to jump in and, and chat to me more there. It'd be great. Wonderful. Well, I'm sure they'll enjoy it just as much as I have. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all of the Happy Space Podcast episodes over at happyspacepod.com. That is also where you'll find a link to our online community. Please leave a review over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. And if you liked what you heard, please share. After all, doesn't everyone deserve a happy space? 